Today in the gospel, Jesus confronts us with a very, I think, um, striking picture of, of evil and what that involves. And in particular, the evil of, of envy. And I say it's a, it's a striking picture because, you know, in the English, it says, um, are you envious because I am generous? Which captures, I think, accurately the, the sentiment in the Greek, but the actual Greek is uh, different. And it literally says, Jesus says, is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I am good? And it's it's this sort of a, a striking kind of picture. And actually, I think what Jesus is doing in a way, when you look at the, the language of that, the language of vision and what is seen, he's actually in a, in a way giving the opposite of the beatific vision. So the beatific vision is this, this phrase that refers to heaven. And the idea of, well, what is heaven like? Well, it's seeing, it's seeing God face to face. It's seeing his goodness without anything in between. And, and St. John says in his, in his first letter, chapter 3, he says, What we shall be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So in St. John's idea of heaven, it's seeing God's goodness transforms us to be good the way God is good. And here in the gospel, Jesus is saying, is your eye evil because I am good? And that should seem really weird. How is it that we can look on the goodness of God and the generosity of God? And that makes us worse, not better. And, and the answer to that, that weird mystery is the, the sin of envy. That that's, what it, that that's what it does. It turns looking on the goodness of God into an occasion for us to become wicked. And why is that the case? St. Thomas Aquinas has, has a lot to say about the virtues and the vices. And, and he talks about envy. And envy is, is generally reckoned in... St. Thomas's schema as the second worst of the second deadly sins after pride. So pride puts you in direct opposition to God and the love of God. But envy attacks the love of neighbor. Right? And those are the two great commandments. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And envy attacks the second one, which is why it's so awful. And St. Thomas succinctly summarizes envy as as very simply, sadness at our neighbor's good. Sadness at our neighbor's good. Or we might say more strongly, hatred of our neighbor's good. That we're upset that someone else is doing well. Now, we need to kind of distinguish carefully what that means. So, So it's not envy if somebody robs a bank you know, and, and catches a plane to Costa Rica, you know, and they seem to get away with it. Like, it's not envy to, to wish that they had been caught and that they didn't get away with it. That's justice. That's different. That's not envy. But envy is where someone has a, a legitimate good, something that they, could, they either earned or were just given in generosity by someone else, and that makes us sad. 
So, I, I, you know, I think of examples sometimes, uh, you know, women of a certain age, like my age, you know, they, they might be uh, invited to the wedding of a friend and, you know, they might be both sad and happy at the same time. They might be happy that, oh, I'm glad my friend, you know, Stella is getting married, you know, but I'm sad because I'm not married. Okay, not envy. It's not envy because what makes that, what makes that person sad is not the friend's happiness, but it's their own misfortune. So they're not sad about their neighbor's good. They're sad about their own, their own misfortune. That's not envy. Envy would be, well, why does she get to get get married? I'm smarter. I'm better looking. You know, I've looked harder for a boyfriend. You know, why does she end up with this decent man? Ugh, that's envy. That's envy. You know, and it seems like a sort of humorous example, but but in human relationships, it can be extremely destructive, extremely destructive of love. And I'll give you an example from from my own life um, and actually myself. Um, you know, growing up, uh, my brother, we have one brother, I'm the eldest of two boys, and the first few years when John came around, we were very close. We were inseparable, you know, he totally looked up to me, you know, I love being around him, we played together, it was, it was really nice. But over time, it, it didn't take too long, actually, we started to get jealous of each other, and specifically jealous about our parents' love. And we both thought that our parents loved the other one more. And it, it always puzzled me how this happened, you know. And, and I finally, I, uh, it, it clicked when I was in seminary I, because I was talking to uh, an aunt of mine about my relationship with my parents and family and all that sort of thing. And she said to me, Nick, you know, your parents love you and your brother, very much, both of you. But it's different. She said, John, John was the cute one. He was the adorable one, you know, the, the cuddly one. He was the younger child, could do no wrong. And, and that was a certain kind of, of love that I recognized. And I saw that that wasn't exactly the same for me. Now, not that I wasn't hugged. I got a hug and a kiss every day growing up. It was, it was a wonderful way to, to grow up. But there was still something I recognized that he had and I didn't. But my aunt said to me, but Nick, he was, the, he was the cute one, but you were the golden boy. You were the one who was supposed to make good. You know, and you were the one that your parents really pinned their hopes on for great things. And that's why my brother was jealous of me. Because he recognized that. He recognized that, that my parents didn't see that in him in the same way. You know? And that, and that envy caused this tremendous sort of separation as, as time went on, you know. Now, thankfully, God's grace has, has begun to heal things, and, and that's been good. But, you know, but a lot of, a lot of time was lost, you know, and a lot of, a lot of love was lost uh, between us. So envy is, it, it, it's a real thing, and it's a very uh, kind of destructive thing. So the question becomes, what do we do about it? What can we do about, about envy? And I wanna, I'm sure there are many remedies. Um, I'll mention two of them. 
the first is gratitude. The first is gratitude, to be grateful for what you have, for what you've been given by another. And, and this is the, the first remedy because it takes your attention off of what other people are getting and it puts it back on the gifts that you have received. And by remembering the gifts you've received, you remember what? The person who gave them to you. And that reminds you of what? The love that the giver had for you. And that's why gratitude is really the first, I, I think, the first remedy for envy, because it's the reminder that we are loved in our own unique and particular way by God. You know, no two people are, are the same, no two stories are the same. And God has something for each of us. And that kind of gratitude can be really transformative, I think, of people's happiness and, and the relationship with God. I think of, and I know I've mentioned this before in previous years for um, sermons, but I'll say it again because it's a great story. So when I was in my last two, three years of seminary, I lived with a, with a priest, a Dominican, uh, named Father Aaron. And it was terrible. Um, he, he complained like, like that was God's special mission for him in life. Nothing was good. Nothing was right. He never wanted to ask him his opinion on anything because you're afraid of all the complaining. And he normally gave you his opinion anyway, even when you didn't ask for it, you know. How you doing, Aaron? Oh, brother. This, this room, it's just, it's too warm, and my chicken, it's too cold, and, ah, uh, shut up. I really, it just, it just tried my, my charity and my patience to, to the limit. Um, and then Father Aaron got cancer in his, in his spine. And I remember, you know, uh, we, were at, we were at lunch one day, and I was feeling courageous, so I said, Aaron, how you doing today? And he said, Well, brother, every morning now, I open my eyes, and the first thing I say is, God, thank you for giving me another day. Then I go from there. And that was it. That's all he said. And it was... It, it really struck me as this just sort of profound change in him. Because I'd never heard him be grateful for anything, ever. You know, and here he was with a, di a cancer diagnosis. And he's waking up every morning and beginning the day by thanking God. And this actually changed his, his whole life. You know, uh, time went on, uh, the cancer started spreading more and more. And it, it had metastasized throughout his body. And my last year in seminary, I was a, a deacon. And Father Aaron had mass out a couple days a week in the morning, and I didn't have class at that time. And he was having more and more trouble walking because of where it was on his spine. And, you know, his, his sort of limp was more and more pronounced each week. And so he asked me to come and help and, and distribute communion. I said, sure. And it was really remarkable to, to ride in the car with him 
you know, during those days. You know, he would talk about how wonderful the parish was and how much he loved the people there and how kind and generous they were to him. And, you know, he did not have, I, don't, I didn't hear a single complaint for like two months. And, and all he was was grateful for all the wonderful things that he noticed in his life and in other people. And even as things got worse, you know, and, and things became more difficult and he, he had to go into assisted living when things broke down the, you know, that much. And, and you could tell it wasn't easy. But he kept, he kept going and he kept being grateful. And it was just this beautiful sort of story of conversion. You know, when the attention went on to all the things that he had, all the bitterness that he had in life just kind of disappeared. We sent out a Christmas picture the year, the year he got cancer. And one of the brothers told me they didn't recognize him in the picture because he was smiling. It's the first time in life they had seen him smile. And that's what gratitude can do. And the second thing I want to mention as a remedy for, for envy is... Going back to the source of that gratitude and the source of love, which is really the Mass. You know, when we talk about receiving the Eucharist, Eucharist means in Greek, thanksgiving. Christ on the cross offers himself to the Father for our sake, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our eternal life together. And when we come together at Mass, that, that sacrifice is represented to the Father, and it's offered to the Father in thanksgiving, in thanksgiving for Christ's saving work. And so the Mass, at its very core, is also not just a sacrifice, but it's, it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving, in gratitude for all that God has given us. And when we keep our eye on, on that gift especially, I think we're able we're able to accept whatever other difficulties come in life. We're able to be happy for other people when they receive blessings, even if it's blessings that we don't get. Because when we remember that we're loved, we're able to love other people. And when you love someone else, you're happy because they're happy. So to conclude, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want you to take a minute to pray and to ask, to ask Jesus, Lord, what do you want me to be thankful for?